Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. So uh, we're going to go ahead and move into our teaching today. So we've been, um, the last couple of weeks have been in our carols message series, which is uh, where we're, you know, examining Christmas carols that we have probably sang together for a very long time growing up as kids, as families, um, going to church, wherever, maybe even on the radio you hear these, but the lyrics themselves, uh, sometimes we don't think about them uh, really for what it means. And I think today's song is no exception to that, actually probably maybe even more so, um, maybe even more so than, than some of the other ones. Today's song is Away in a Manger, and we just sang that song together, and on its face, the song is very, you know, kind, it's very simple, it's about a baby, um, you know, it's kind of creating this setting, which most of it is, um, is probably not that true in the sense of, uh, you know, um, this... You know, clear sky, it was a quiet evening, you know, I mean, when a baby is born, it's not quiet, right? It's loud, and the baby Jesus is silent, you know, he's probably like crying, because that's what babies do, all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, before we get into specifically the song, I just want to kind of go into, like we have the other weeks, about some of the details. So Away in a Manger was published in 1885 um, in the Lutheran Sunday School Curriculum book, which I thought was really interesting. Um, it was called Little Children's Books for Schools and Families. 1885, the Lutheran Church was uh, making Sunday school curriculum. Um, a lot of people believe that Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, wrote this song, but that's actually been um, showed that's not true, and it was originally called Luther's Cradle Hymn, hymn Luther's Cradle Hymn, but it's actually not, um, scholarly research has discovered that this song was not written by him, and, but no one really knows who it was, so um, clearly it's a mystery as to who wrote the lyrics, but the song... Um, you know, has has touched people's hearts for for the last two hundred years. Um, now, when we think of this song, "Away in a Manger," what I think is most the image that I get is the little baby Jesus, right? Um, and so I think of uh, what was that movie, uh, "Little Dear," yeah, Talladega Nights, right? Where it was like little six pound, eight pound baby Jesus, right? That that is the image I think that Christmas time people think of of as Jesus. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that there's a line in there's there's a line in Away in a Manger that is said over and over again in the lyrics of the song, but we kind of just you know flow over it, and that is the little Lord Jesus, right? And I want to focus on that today. Today's message is going to be um, probably a little bit more hard-hitting. Next week, you guys get off the hook and get the nice feel-good message. <laughs> Next week is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which, you know, beautiful song, but incredible what it means. This week is a little bit more like a challenging message, so, you know, buckle up. We're going to have a good time together. But I want to focus on the line, In Away in the Manger, where it says, the little Lord Jesus. And throughout each of the verses, it talks about Jesus being Lord. Um, in fact, in the Bible, in the New Testament alone, the phrase Lord, Jesus is Lord, or when he was called Lord, is 740 times. Jesus is called Lord 740 times in the New Testament. In fact, we see um, when the angels are coming and to the shepherds and they make the announcement, what do they say? They say, shepherds were watching their flocks at night and an angel of the Lord came. And then in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news 
of great joy that will be for all the people, because today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. If you're listening on the podcast, that was a little inside joke about how some people make comments. An inside jab. Yeah, well, okay. It was my anniversary. (laughs) I just jabbed my wife. Anyway, we're going to move on. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So Jesus is announced by the, by the angels to the shepherds as being a Lord. Well, what does that mean? Like, have you ever given much thought to the idea of what a Lord is? It's not really uh, a phrase that we use today. We don't call people Lord. Um, the last time I think I heard it was in Back to the Future when uh, Marty McFly comes home and the the doorbell thing says, Marty has arrived, Lord of the Manor, King of the Castle. Like it, you know, and, and, but we don't think of those words. If you watch Game of Thrones or you play Dungeons and Dragons or you maybe um, in like Lord of the Rings, those kinds of things, you hear the word Lord, but in our modern context, we don't really use that anymore. But a Lord is uh, actually from the word, uh, Greek word, which is kurios. Everybody say that. Say kurios. Kurios. It means supreme in authority. Supreme in authority, controller and lord. So kurios, um, when it, so the angel is saying, Jesus is coming, the one who's come to give you great joy. This news is wonderful. And it says he will be called Christ the Lord. Christ the supreme authority. Christ the controller. Christ the Lord. Now control is something that I like to have. I am uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a control freak. If you ask my kids, um, particularly my son, um, anytime he wants to touch any of my gadgets, I get like really like, I'm like, don't touch that. I don't want you to touch that. So for example, this lovely little thermostat here, um, I'm, I just said, what's the temperature right now outside? And Lincoln walks over to the thermostat and pushes the button, which shows you the temperature. And my my whole body just bristles. What's all that? That's mine. That's my toy. Like like I'm like that with everything I touch. Anything in my life, I want to know what's going on. I want to know how to do it. I feel like when uh, I'm best in control myself, I like to drive the car. Um, I like to have control over my day. Um, hopefully, I don't like to have control over people, but maybe other people would say otherwise. Um, I want to have the perfect family vacation or the perfect family Christmas or whatever. I, and, and so I do anything that I can to control that. The problem is, is that when Jesus is Lord, that he is the controller. He is the supreme authority. So we sing this song, you know, the Lord Jesus, away in a manger, right? This baby, it's easy for us to think of Jesus as a baby, but when we think of him as the reigning king, the supreme uh, authority over the entire universe and what that might mean for our lives, that's when I start to go, well, okay, like, I I don't know, like, what does that really, what does that really mean? Um, Have you ever heard the phrase that people say, have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Have you ever heard anyone say that, like, would you like to make the Lord, like, make Jesus the Lord of your life? Well, here's the thing. You can't make Jesus Lord. He's already Lord, right? He was already Lord. And we're, our requirement is to surrender our life in lordship to Jesus. That's actually the, the framing of scripture. If you read the New Testament, what you see is, is that it's, it's all about surrendering to his authority, surrendering to his control. 
Um, Jesus is Lord. And so our question for today that we're going to dive into is, is have you surrendered to him? Have you relinquished control of your life to the Lord Jesus, to whether or not he's the little Lord Jesus or whether he is the fully grown 33-year-old man who endured the cross and rose from the grave? Have we surrendered our lives to him? So we're going to talk about surrendering to the lordship of Christ. And so the first, there's two different ways that I want to talk about it today. The first is the partially surrendered life. And this is where, um, if you want to be technical about it, I think all of us do live in this space. I don't know that any of us are 100% surrendered to our to, to the Lord, right? to Jesus and his supreme authority in our life, giving him full access to it. But I think when we're going to talk about the partially surrendered life to Jesus, we're going to talk about um, really what that looks like when we're willfully doing that. So in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord? Lord, and do not do what I say. So there's this verse where Jesus is looking at people, and like this, this rabbi, I believe it was, comes up and walks up to him, and he says, Lord. And then Jesus turns to him, like Jesus often is. Have you ever noticed that? Like if you were read through scriptures, and sometimes Jesus is very blunt with people. Sometimes, you know, he would, they would ask him a question, and he wouldn't even answer their question. He would give them like a parable, or he would, you know, ignore what they were saying and then jump right into the root of it. And here's a perfect example of that. What we see is this man says, Lord, right? And, and Jesus obviously understands he just wants his attention, right? But instead he reframes, he goes, why do you call me that when you don't do what I say? This is the partially surrendered life. Jesus immediately like, clarifies and points out that to, to really be surrendered in a relationship with him means doing the things that he says. So if Jesus says this is how we should live our life, then we should follow in suit if we are his servant, if he is our master. So some would say, I believe in the Lord, but I don't trust him with everything. The partially surrendered life says, I believe in the Lord, but I don't trust him with everything in my life. I believe in the Lord, but I still do what I want to do. There are certain areas of my life that I don't let him tell me how to operate in that space of my life. I believe in the Lord, but I want to be in control. I still want to be able to make the decisions over my life in the spaces that I feel like I should be able to. I want to give him some things, but I'm not going to give him everything. I was thinking about different areas of my life that I have struggled with in my own life. I remember um, for a long time, I did not give Jesus lordship over my finances. Um, we, I bought what I wanted, when I wanted to buy it, when I didn't have the money to do it. And we went into great amounts of debt over it. Um, we, our credit rating was horrible. Um, I didn't tithe. I wasn't giving to the church. I was not being generous in any way. And I grew up in the church. I heard it all my life. This was not a secret. It wasn't like I didn't see God's faithfulness in, in, you know, in my parents' life, in other Christians' lives who were living in that aligned with it. I saw that all my life. I just willfully chose to spend the money how I wanted to spend the money. Right, and I just was living a partially surrendered life for a long time. Um, I was living a partially surrendered life when it came to my sexuality. I was active sexually um, when I was a Christian before I was married. I mean, there there are a lot of things I look back over my life where I have been willfully disobedient or partially surrendered to Jesus. 
Um, as a as an adult, even recently, there are things I still struggle with. There are times where I willfully decide that I um, just don't want to allow God into that space because I know that maybe it's wrong, or maybe that means I'm going to have to make a tar- a change in my behavior on a regular basis. Maybe the way that I speak to my kids, or the amount of time that I spend um, doing an activity that might not be a wrong activity, but one that I do too much of, maybe. Right? It, there's a lot of different spaces in which I say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, and yet I don't give him full authority in every one of my spaces. Maybe for some of us, it's, you know, I give you my Sundays, God, but not on Friday and not on Saturday nights. Um, For some of us, it's, I trust you with my salvation, but I'm still worried about my children and, 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 and I'm worried about, you know, what they're doing in their lives. And it's good to be a parent and to worry about your kids. But at the same time, God is in control of those things. God is my provider, but there is no way that I'm giving 10% of my money to the church. Jesus is my Lord, but I'm not forgiving that person who has hurt me so deeply. I'm a Christian and I you know, go to, go to church or I go to youth group, but my parents will never know about this thing that I'm maybe doing. You know, um, things like like uh, lust and sexuality, gossip, white lies, greed, um, anything, you know, and we kind of like think of ourselves like he'll understand. God understands. He's, there's grace for those kinds of things, right? And while there is grace for, for that, there's a lot of space in scripture that talks about, but grace is not offered when you willfully disobey, right? It's like there's a, there's a fine line there. And this is not a message about judgment, but it is about understanding the perspective of who we truly are called to be. Jesus, um, you know, calls for clear obedience to him. So I want to read out of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, and I want to read from the, uh, from the PSV, which I'm calling the partially surrendered version of Scripture. So Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 from the partially surrendered, says, Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. And uh, lean on your own understanding, and in some of your ways acknowledge him, and you can make your own paths straight. Like, that's what it means to live the partially the partially surrendered life, right? Is, is I'm still going to do what I want to do. I'm going to rely on God in the spaces in which I really need him, but the rest of it, I got covered, right? Or I'm okay with that. The reality is, is that's not what we're called to do. So I want to ask you guys this question, and I'm asking myself as well, is what have I not surrendered to the Lord? Think about that for a second. What have I not surrendered to the Lord? Maybe it's my kids. Maybe it's my health. I know for me that's an area. I have not surrendered my health to the Lord. I I abuse my body in you know overeating and lack of exercise, and I am well aware of it. Um, but I have not gotten to the place where I've taken it seriously. Right? For some of you, maybe your temper. It could be your relationships with um, a romantic relationship or a relationship with a family member or a friend. It could be your finances. Maybe it's your future. You're like, I, I have a plan for my life and this is what I'm doing and I'm going after it and no one, not even God, is going to tell me otherwise. Um, maybe in those areas you're lukewarm with God. You're half-hearted about it. That's the partially surrendered life. And here's what I would say, and this is a challenge for all of us, is that Jesus is no part-time Lord. He is not a part-time Lord. He does not want part-time followers. I say it all the time. He doesn't want a Facebook fan, right? He wants disciples. So that's the partially surrendered life. Let's talk now about 
the fully surrendered life. Fully surrendered life. Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8 says this, For we don't live for ourselves. I mean, automatically you hear it, right? So Jesus just a second ago said, Why do you call me Lord when you don't even do what I say? And now we see a disciple, like one who has given his entire life, a fully surrendered life to Jesus, talking to the Romans. And he says this, For we do not live for ourselves, or we don't die for ourselves. And he says, If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. We belong to the Lord. Um, when I uh, look at this ring on my hand here, and for those of you guys who are married in the room, I think you probably have rings as well. This ring is a symbol of what it means to be fully surrendered to someone. In fact, today is my anniversary my 18th anniversary, 18 years ago today, Heather and I stood up in front of a church, in front of family and friends, and we looked into each other's eyes and we said that I am yours and you are mine. Like, I belong to you. You belong to me. And so the things that, that so, so I would say she is Lord over me and I am Lord over her because we have given that responsibility and that authority to each other. And in such a way, that's what it's like. Jesus has purchased it. He went out and bought the ring, and he put it on my finger, and he is, I am now his. I've given myself fully to him. And the same thing is true in our marriage. It's not a casual approach kind of thing, right? Like I've heard people say that Jesus is my buddy, you know, or Jesus is my homeboy, <laughs> like these kinds of things. <laughs> you know, right. Right, and you know, and again, right, I don't want to be too literal, but you guys know what I'm trying to say here. Like, it's not meant to be like Jesus is just there as like the angel on your shoulder. Like, and, and I think there is truth to that. He does guide, and he does comfort, and he, you know, there is an element of, of having fun and having a good time in your faith. But the baseline of our faith must be lordship. He is supreme authority over all the earth. He's not just the little Lord Jesus lying in the manger. He's also not just the dying Lord Jesus on the cross. He is the risen, soon-to-come King of Kings. And because of that, because he, he purchased the ring and he put it on us, we surrender our lives to him. Proverbs 3, instead of it being the partially, the partially surrendered life, this is the fully surrendered life version of Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Like, give him every part of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on the way you see the world, not on the way that you think about things. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. The Hebrew word there is yada. I don't really like the word acknowledge, the translation of the word acknowledge, because the word yada, which you've heard, is like yada, yada, yada. What, is that? what does that mean? Like, think about it. Just somebody call that out. When you say yada, 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 what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Right. Or it means like, I know that already, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah I got it, right? The word yada literally means to know, like intimately to know. So the idea of like like uh, knowing a person that was the word for like sexual intimacy as well like to know someone on such a deep level right so when it says here to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways yada in all your ways know him and he will make your path straight I think and I have discovered this myself in my life is that we the reason that we don't trust him in specific areas of our life 
is because we don't really know him in that area of our life. Here what I'm trying to say, I'm not calling it a question your faith. I'm not saying that you don't know Jesus, that you don't know him in your life. What I'm saying is, is that I have found that the less surrendered I am in an area of my life is mostly because I have not seen him, learn to trust him in that area. I, have not, I don't know that part of him and seen it operate in my life effectively. And in order to get there, you have to like release it. You have to trust him in that space. Like there's a risk that 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 first step across, um, you know, that you feel like you're gonna fall, but knowing that there's a that something's gonna catch you or that there's a platform there. Like in order for us to move past our control over our finances, like Heather and I talk about all the time, there was a moment in which we said, I have seen that God will take care of other people. I have seen his faithfulness, but I have not experienced it myself because I have not surrendered this area. But the only way to get there is to surrender my finances to him, which meant I had to take action. I had to choose to, to, to say no to this thing, create a budget, give you know, to the Lord in my finances, make those decisions, which was a risk because it was like, but I don't have this money here to give. Or if I do that, I might not be able to get the thing that I want, right? And it was a risk at first, but what's happened is, is that over time when we stepped out, God proved himself to be faithful because he always honors his promises. And then we continually stayed faithful to it. We began to know Jesus in that area of our life over and over and over again. So where now when questions come up about our finances, sometimes our tendency is to first go back to fear, but we're much quicker to be able to to be able to remind ourselves, no, I know that this is true. I know that God will take care of us because we have seen it. We have experienced it. We know him in that area of our lives. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship with Jesus. And then, So that's why we uh, have read this before in Deuteronomy 6, right? It says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? So it's like, with everything that you are. And Jesus echoed that in the New Testament. He said to give God everything, to know him. It's about a relationship. It's not about following the rules. It's not about doing a formula. If I do it, one plus two equals three. Like it's about a relationship with God. It's about spending time with him, hearing his voice, challenging us, calling us to something greater, to something deeper. And when we do that, we will begin to know him in that area of our life. So again, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So to be a fully surrendered Christian means to do the things that we see are clearly taught. And when it, like, when it comes time for us and the Spirit of God like, convicts us of something that we uh, is poking, knocking on the door, saying, this area of your life is not right. It's not what I want for you. It's not what I've called you to. It's not the best that I have for you. I want something else for you. I want you to try this. I want you to do that. Whether that's through a sermon, whether that's through reading a scripture passage, whether it's by reading a book, or maybe sometimes, I'm telling you guys, when God's knocking on the door of my heart about something, it's like everywhere. I'll be listening to a song, you know, like Coldplay song is on the radio, and Coldplay will sing some lyric, and just some random part of the lyric will go, boop, and then, like, God uses it to remind me of something he told me a week ago. And then I'm watching a TV show, and then some scenario happens in a show, and then it just, like, reminds me of it again. And then I go to church, and it seems like the pastor's preaching about the thing, right? Like, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. Like, that's the case. And so what we have to do is do what God is calling us to do. Not everyone who says to me, Lord will enter the kingdom, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And this is challenging. Many 
will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I mean, they're calling him. This is the thing, that the piece that I want you to get. These people are calling him master, supreme authority, controller. Did we not prophesy in your name? This sounds like Christians, right? Did we not do these things in your name, drive out demons, perform many miracles? Didn't I go to church every Sunday? Didn't I give money in the offering? Didn't I go on that missions trip? Right? Didn't I like go serve the homeless? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I think there is a big difference calling Jesus Lord. There is a big difference between calling Jesus Lord and surrendering to him as Lord. I told you this was going to be a heavy message today. <laughs> and here's why I think that is the case. is because we want, we want God to prove himself so that we can trust him. Right? We want God, do this thing and I will trust you. But God wants us to trust him so that he can prove himself. God wants us to trust him so that he can prove himself. Faith has to come first. If there's an area of your life, that, even this morning, that you sense that God is saying, this is an area that I want to I work on this year, this coming year. I want to work on that. This is a space that where you've made too many mistakes in this. You have seen you go through too much hurt because of this. Or you, know, you get yourself into trouble or you hurt other people because of it. Whatever it might be. If you sense that God is saying that to you, you have to say, okay, God, I'm, I trust you. I want, to, I want you to be Lord. You are Lord. I just want to step under your authority in my life. You have to realize you can't please him without faith. The Bible is very clear about that. It says no man can can please God without faith. It takes a certain um, willingness to say, God, you are above me. Your ways are higher than my ways. I can't understand. If you say to do it that way, I'm going to do it even though I don't get it. And I'm going to finish with this, is that Jesus is Lord of all, or he is Lord of nothing. He is Lord of all or not Lord at all. And the question, that's really for our lives. He's not a part-time Lord. He doesn't want part-time followers. God wants us to trust him so that he can prove himself. Would you close your eyes with me? God, um, this was a real challenge for me this week because um, I call you Lord all the time. And most of it is out of habit. Um, You know, I've grown up in a Christian household with a father as a, as a pastor. All my life, I've known the church. I've known sermons and, you know, all over the Bible, Lord, 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 Lord. It's everywhere. Um, sometimes I think about the word Lord, and I do try to be intentional, but um, this song, particularly, Away in a Manger, you know, I, I thank you that you put that word Lord in there. It's not just about a baby and what the baby symbolizes. It's actually um, biblically you know, based in the truth that you are the supreme authority in our lives. That's who you are. We've seen it in Scripture. We see it when Jesus stands up on the boat and and calls and commands the wind and the waves to cease. And the disciples had the proper response. They said, this man truly is the Messiah. He even has control over the wind and the waves. God, I'm convicted of that. I'm challenged of that this morning. There are areas of my life that I have not surrendered to you at 100%. And I just want to be honest about that, guys. You yourselves, just be honest with the Lord. God, even areas that I give you 80% in those areas of my life, I'm convicted of that. I'm challenged of that. I repent of that. 
I want to make you Lord. I want, I want to be known as a man who, who is whatever I have. Everything that I have is given to you. I mean, we sang that song today. All that I have, I give. All of my life, I live. God, let that be true of us. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be counted as part of those people that you said, like, get away from me. I don't know you. God, let that sit in. I mean, my tendency for me right now is to want to, like, caveat that and to make everybody feel better. Be like, don't worry. I'm not saying that, like, God's going to kick us out. Like, I'm not. What I want to do is let it sit. I want to be challenged by the fact that, that there, are, there are areas of my life where I willfully disobey you. And so um, as we move into a time of discussion and even beyond this week, you know, um, as we move towards Christmas, let us be keenly aware of the areas of our lives that we have surrendered to you and see blessing in, but also the areas of our lives where we could use some work in those spaces. We surrender our lives to you at first in just our desire to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.